Well, good morning and welcome to New City Church. My name is Matt Miller, and I am one of the pastors here. And today is a fifth Sunday. Uh, The month of May has five Sundays, and every time a month has five Sundays, we carve out one of those weeks uh, that allow me to go global. And so today I'm speaking at both of our locations, uh, a same message. And uh, today I'm going to talk to you about buckets, tricycles, and making babies. Yeah, I know, right? Bear with me, and uh, maybe you can play along. Uh, I want to start with a bucket, and I kind of want you to imagine that you're holding a bucket, and actually that bucket is actually your life. Imagine your life is a bucket, and your bucket holds things. It holds all types of emotions. It holds all types of um, opportunities. Actually, your bucket just holds life. And what I'm learning about life is most of life is simply, man, you just got to endure it. I mean, it's not necessarily bad stuff or good stuff. It's just stuff you're trying to get through. It's um, making sure for those of you who are single that you don't forget the date or lose her or his number. It's uh, just making sure you remember to pick up the kids from school. It's making sure that they brush their teeth, that you make the dentist appointment. It, it's just, it's just kind of getting through the everyday parts of life. And then every once in a while, life puts into your bucket something that's challenging and something that's not fair and something that's hard. And all of a sudden, now you've got to deal with that along with everything else that you're doing. Some of it good, some of it bad. It's just all life, and it's all in your bucket. And a lot of life is simply that. It's simply enduring the daily, enduring the daily things that encounter us. And if it was only those things, if it was only those things that went into our bucket, I think a lot of us would quit. I think a lot of us would say, this is not worth it. This is too much. But God is good. And God puts two things into our buckets. And those two things are love and purpose. And man, God just kind of pours love and he pours purpose into our buckets. And because we have those things, it allows us to kind of push through and endure at a much greater level because, man, we have this this emotion of this, uh, this verb love that carries us through. And then we have purpose. Like we know why we're doing it. We know why we're uh, going to endure this. We know why we're going to make the kids do their homework. We know why we're going to go to job to our work tomorrow. Like we know why because of purpose. But here is something that we all have, right? No one is exempt from this. This is truth for everybody. We all have holy buckets. And I don't mean like God holy buckets. I mean literally whole buckets holy buckets. Like your bucket has a hole in it and you leak. And what's frustrating is the enduring things, the day-to-day grind, the struggles in life, for whatever reason, and I can't quite wrap my mind around, they're kind of like jello. They're kind of thick and they don't leak out as much. But man, that love and that purpose, they're so, uh, so liquidy that they just simply leak out kind of fast. And if we don't consistently feel love and purpose back into our bucket called life, man, we'll just get depressed and be drained and be overwhelmed. And so always, if I can just chase a quick rabbit, that's why just because you told your wife that you loved her on your wedding day and you haven't told her in the last seven years, but I told her that once, listen, all of that love has leaked out and it's time for you to pour again from, for, to your spouse, man, that you love her or you love him. It's why we continue to affirm our children. That's why we continue to affirm and encourage our employees, our employers. That's why we continue to say nice things to the people that we're dating and that we're building a relationship with. Because love and purpose leak out and we have to continue to refill it. It's exactly the same in the church. My chief purpose at New City Church is to continue to fill the bucket of love and purpose. We might call that sometimes vision. 
And today what I want to do is I want to remind us, right? A lot of us in the room, we kind of know what New City is about. But the truth is this, vision leaks, just like everything else. And so today I'm wanting to refill your bucket with why we do this, right? Why we do this. If you're visiting our Edgerton campus or our Shawnee campus for the first time today, man, this is going to be a great opportunity for you to see and discover if this is a church that you could possibly be a part of. But for those of us who call this place home, it's a great reminder. Here's how I want to go about it today. I want to talk to you about um, what we are, all right, what we do, and how we do it. So if you want to pull out your bulletin and play along with me, that would be great. And we're going to jump uh, right into what we are, but actually we can't do that just yet. We've got to talk about why. Because I could tell you about all of these things, but if we don't know why we do this, what's the purpose, right? And I want to give you a scripture that you're going to see there in your bulletin, and this is found in Matthew chapter 22, verse 36. And in this scripture, um, Jesus gives a perfect response to someone who's trying to trip him up, right? The Pharisees, the religious leaders were always trying to catch Jesus in a tight spot where they could give him a difficult time, maybe condemn him from something, but Jesus always responded perfectly. And here is what happens in Matthew 22. Guy comes to Jesus and says, teacher, which commandment in the law is the greatest, right? Thinking that there's no way he's going to be able to answer that question. But look how Jesus responds in verse 37. Jesus said to him, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. The second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets depend on these two commandments. Everything we do at New City Church is because of that scripture. We are focused in everything we do that we help you in every way we can love God with everything you have. We are in no way, from Pastor Casey to Pastor Chris to our other teachers to myself, no one at New City Church will ever invite you to follow a lowercase, small caps Jesus who's kind of okay with you loving him a little bit with your life. Not at all. I am interested in proclaiming the gospel of a capital J, all caps Jesus, that wants every part of your life to the extreme. That's what I'm asking you to follow. That's the gospel that we find in our scriptures. Jesus doesn't say, hey, come follow me when it's convenient. Don't, follow me. Don't come follow me when you have time, but rather, follow me. Come on, let's do this. Why? Man, we want you to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. But there's more. Jesus says, and the second is like it, that you would love your neighbor as you love yourself. And that is how we change the world. That is how we change our, our footprint, wherever we might go, into whatever city, whatever town, whatever neighborhood, whatever home, whatever family gathering, that when we walk in the place, we're going to love those people there like we love ourselves. And that's how we're going to make a big difference. That's why we do what we do. Now, that scripture is well-known. A lot of churches use that scripture. Uh, it's a perfect, beautiful scripture in the, in, the, in the Bible. But what does it mean specifically for us? Because now we get to take that scripture, and we get to look at it in the way that we're wired as a church, and the things that God has uniquely crafted us to do within the whole Kansas City metro area. So I want to start by talking about who we are, all right? Here's the thing. We are two churches. Oops, we're not two churches. We're one church with two locations. Let me try that again, right? This is who we are. We are one church with two locations. 
We currently have a campus in Edgerton, Kansas. You guys are joining me there today by video. Thank you guys for, for worshiping with us today. And we also have a campus in Shawnee. And every week we gather in those two locations. And it is my prayer and it is my hope that down the road we will have more campuses. We planted this church in Shawnee knowing, actually we say it like this, we planted pregnant. Because we, were, we knew that we were going to uh, uh, plant another church out of this campus at some point. Right? And we're going to continue to do that, the Lord willing, as he makes provisions and provides for us to do so. But currently, we're one church, two locations. Now, what's that mean? It means we have the same vision, we have the same mission, and we have the same values. We share vision, we share mission, and we share the values of this whole that we call New City Church. And then when you look at it at another layer, right, you can begin to see how we function. And I thought maybe a good way to think about how we function is a, by a three-legged stool. You've all seen a three-legged stool, right? You take one leg off of that stool, it, it's not going to stand. It can't stand on two. Actually, I hate that illustration because a stool doesn't do anything. A stool sits there and doesn't move. Let's use a tricycle, right? A tricycle. You remember having a tricycle when you were a kid, all right? The reason I love tricycles more than scooters, those little two-wheel scooters you do that on, is because nobody could ride with you on those. But a tricycle, I can remember many times standing on the back of the two wheels with my hands on a buddy's shoulder as he was pedaling away on that tricycle. A tricycle, you get to bring people with you. And the ministry of New City Church can be viewed as a tricycle. Every wheel is extremely important. Without one of them, you can, you can pick. You can pick the front wheel, the left one, or the right one. You pick a wheel. If it comes off, that tricycle is of no use, and it can't move it can't move anywhere. So I want to talk to you about these three wheels. The first wheel, right, just one of the wheels that we have is called our weekend gathering. Every single Sunday, the people of Edgerton and the surrounding areas and the people of Shawnee and the surrounding areas, we gather in two locations. And we do this five times every Sunday. At Edgerton there this morning, you guys have a 9.30 and 11 service. In Shawnee, we have a 9.30, 11, and a 5 p.m. Every time we gather in, in those spaces, there are certain things that happen. Here are some of those things that you should have experienced today. You've probably worshipped, right? There was a time that you had the opportunity to give praise and give thanks to God set to music. And it is our hope that it's not bad music, it's really good music, and it's done well. The second thing that you might have experienced this morning or had the opportunity to was a sense of community. Like, it is our hope that you become known, that people know your name, but also that you know other people's names. I know sometimes we like to come and we like to maybe stand in the corner or sit on the back row and kind of hide in the crowd, and that's okay for a while, but we want you to have community where you can begin to get to know people and know their names and maybe even expand outside these walls where you're having lunches, dinners, and coffee with your new friends. You're also going to experience the teaching of the Word. You're doing that right now. Every single time we gather at any of our locations, we open up God's word to see what he might be saying to us and what we, might be, what, what we might choose to do with that in the application. We also spend some time in prayer. Did you know before you even came in today, there was a group of people who were praying for you? There were people who sat in the seats. There were people who gathered in different parts of that facility that you're in, whether it be Edgerton or Shawnee, and people prayed for you and over you. There's also going to be uh, a potentially a time of taking communion. I know we did this last week at our Shawnee campus, but a time where we remember what God has done. We're also going to experience oftentimes on Sunday the, the, the celebration of baptism. I believe you guys had a baptism last week at Edgerton. We had some here 
in Shawnee. But it's this idea that, man, we're going to celebrate somebody expressing their faith through the obedience of baptism. We have opportunities for our children, whether they be elementary, preschool, or our students. We gather and we do these things. Why? Because there's something powerful about gathering together with people who are walking towards a common goal. And we do this every single Sunday. And there's one other thing that we do. And it often gets skipped over, and it often gets pushed to the side, and often people just think it's it's just something we do um, uh, because we have to. But every week at the conclusion of each service, we have a time of generosity. And this is the opportunity. It's really, in the spiritual life, in my opinion, the most tangible thing that we do when it comes to worship. There's no way that you can gauge if you've loved enough. There's no way you can gauge if you've been kind enough, if you've worshipped hard enough. I don't know how to gauge those things. But I believe the Bible gives us good parameters, good metrics on whether or not we're being generous. And every time at the end of that service, when we pass that offering bucket, that offering plate, it's your opportunity not to tell New City Church, Pastor Matt, Pastor Casey, how, what a good job they've done. It's that opportunity for you to tell God how grateful you are for the things that he has blessed you with. That's a part of worship. You should never come to church on a Sunday morning unprepared to give. If you don't give, it should be on purpose because you didn't get paid that week or you don't have any money to give that week, but you should never come to any campus, whether you even go to a different church and not be prepared to worship with your tithes and offering. It's simply a part of the worship process. And we do that every single week. Here is a goal, if you want to write this in on your bulletins, for our, worshiping, our worship gathering on Sundays. Our goal would be this. Our Sunday gatherings are meant to be inspiring and inviting. They're meant to be inspiring and inviting. Like something that the team that works to put our Sunday gatherings together, one of the things that we, we, we are focused on is that you won't be embarrassed to invite your friend. That you aren't embarrassed of what you hear up here, what you see in the lobby. Like you would speak highly about the church that you gather each Sunday morning. Inspiring and inviting. That's just one will. We have two more. What's a second will? A second will is one that very few people think about. Some of you don't want to think about it, and it's the executive, the executive offices. And this is the, this is the team, right? Let me kind of go and give you the blank so that we can talk from the blank. The executive team stewards our current responsibilities and provides wisdom for our future opportunities. That's what the executive portion of New City Church does. We steward, we maintain, we, we, we lead, we, we, we engage, we um, basically manage what the current blessings God has given us. We steward those, our current, current situation, our current responsibilities, and we also seek wisdom for our future opportunities. We can have countless future opportunities, but if we're not good stewards with the now and with the present, when the future opportunities come, we're not ready for them. We're not in a place where we can maybe step into that new opportunity. Think of the executive team maybe as the skeletal system of New City Church. Man, if, you, if your body didn't have any bones, you'd be just like a, a glob of skin on the ground, right? But your skeletal system gives you posture. Our executive team keeps the posture of New City Church upright in a healthy position, ready to move forward when God gives us an opportunity. This is the dreaming, the processes, and the business side of our ministry. And I know, again, some of you, when you hear about the business side of church, it kind of freaks you out. But I'm telling you, if you were to take this will off 
and there was no one dreaming, no one planning, no one laying out processes for all the things that happened behind the scenes, this tricycle, this beautiful church that we call New City, it wouldn't get very far. It wouldn't get very far. The third will is a really, really important will. And it's a will that I can't stress enough, and it's the will of discipleship. Yes, we gather on Sundays. Yes, we have an executive team that has given good posture to this thing called New City Church, keeping us in a good spot so we can move forward. But discipleship is extremely key. A lot of places of worship operate in the attitude of a scooter. Remember when I mentioned a scooter a while ago? They've got a good Sunday, and they've got an effective, effective executive uh, administrative team. And man, they, it works. I mean, a scooter is a mode of transportation, and it's not bad. But what we have chosen to do is add that third will. It's not a sticker that we put on something. It's a will, and it's this will of discipleship. And I can't stress enough how important this is to the movement of New City Church. I want to I give you this scripture. It's 2 Timothy 2.2. 2. This is a really key scripture that we use often at New City Church within our leadership and within our discipling processes. And in it, uh, the, Paul says this to his uh, protege, Timothy. He says, you have heard me teach things that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. Basically saying, Timothy, you've seen my words and my actions be proven to be true, right? Now, teach these truths to other trustworthy people who will be able to pass them on to others. This is a beautiful model of discipleship. Someone, Paul, has discipled Timothy, and he says, now, Timothy, it doesn't end with you. I want you to take what you've learned, and I want you to press it on and push it on and train and teach and inspire someone that you consider trustworthy, That's key. Paul doesn't tell Timothy to go to people who don't care and who can't be counted on. He says, Timothy, take it to trustworthy people. What you've seen from me, take to them, right? And then, Timothy, I want you to take to others. When you go to trustworthy, that they would take it to the other folks. That's discipleship. And if I could just speak frankly right now to those in our congregations who are in our discipling process, who have been released from our discipling process, I want to speak to you. Because this is really, really critical. We have a lot of Timothys who have invested in trustworthy people. And it stopped there. If our trustworthy people don't take the initiative to find others, to find their own trustworthy people, then our discipleship will always be in a restart mode. Like I could, at the end of my life, I could have several discipling groups that I've been a part of. But if those discipling groups don't go and have their own groups, then it's really terminated each time I've done something. And I haven't multiplied my life. I've given my life to a lot of people. I've I've done my best to inspire people to understand the scriptures and to do what they say. But if I don't also encourage my people to then go and do for others what was done for them, the, the thing eventually terminates. And we have to continue to restart and restart and restart this will. And here's the thing, both campuses, Shawnee and Edgerton are growing. And the thing that concerns me the most as the pastor of this church is that when I see somebody get baptized and they come out of that water and everybody claps and applauds, my thought as you guys are all clapping is this, who is walking with that person? Who's grabbing that person by the hand and saying, this is how we follow Jesus? Man, that's, that's, that's the thing that th- I think about all the time. Why? Because it happened to me. I was a guy who got baptized and nobody walked with me. 
I was a guy who found Jesus and nobody walked with me. And for two years of my life, I kind of, I didn't kind of, I walked confused and aggravated. Life wasn't working for me. I didn't change very many habits, but yet I was convicted all of a sudden and I didn't know what to do with it. I say it like this, that I got taken to the cross and left there. That must not happen at New City Church. But if all we do as a congregation is celebrate on Sundays and have this tremendous executive team that's planning our today and looking forward to our tomorrow, but yet we kind of push off to the side this idea of discipleship, listen, we will not accomplish all the gifts and all of the responsibilities that God has given us. Discipleship is a key, key piece to our tricycle that we call New City Church. And I want to encourage each and every one of our released discipling leaders that have yet to invite people into their life, what are you waiting for? If there is an issue, if there is a struggle, if there is a strain, if there's a concern, listen, it's, your concern isn't anything that we haven't already addressed with someone else. And so let's talk about it. Because here's the thing. I got seven people right now in my mind that are waiting for somebody to walk with them. I got a young man right now who's texted me the last two days scriptures about what he's reading and what God is saying to him because I gave him homework because I was curious to see if he was truly hungry. And for the last two days, he has texted me with what he's reading and what God is saying to him. And you know what? He's ready to, be, to walk with somebody. The question is who? I know the thought, oh, I'm a, man, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm afraid. Listen, if you know 15% more than the next guy, it makes you an expert. What's the worst that could happen? What's the worst that could happen? Man, I invite you to engage with us. For those of you who have been through the process and who are released, I invite you to engage with us. There are people that you're sitting around right now who are simply waiting for you to invite them into your life. Just the truth. That's the third wheel discipleship. We have four primary goals here. You need to hear these four primary goals in our discipling process. The first one is this. We want to help you process what God is saying to you. When, when, you're, when life puts stuff in your bucket that you can't understand, we want to help you in our discipling process understand what God might be saying to you. Number two, we want to teach you how to study the Bible so that you can respond to what God is saying. No more flying off the handle. No more responding the way that you think you should. When you have those moments where you're trying to process what God is saying, how do we teach and train you to be able to study God's Word, to identify what He's saying, and now what do you need to do about it based on what God says? Man, ain't that a novel idea that we actually understand and do what God says? Number three is this. We prepare you in our discipling to do for others what was done for you. We prepare you. Can I just talked about that? We want to prepare you and train you that you can do for others what was done for you. And number four, man, we want to provide continued and constant encouragement as you make disciples. That's our brown to green ministry. Our brown to green is a ministry that walks along beside our released disciplers encouraging them and coaching them along the way. That's what we are. Now, what do we do? This is really easy. We inspire people to trust in and live like Jesus. That's what we do. We inspire people to trust in and live like Jesus. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6 says this, Trust in the Lord with some of your heart. No, 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 no. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. Every time we gather in any environment, we want to push you to trusting the Lord instead of trusting any other method of understanding or knowledge. That's our goal. 
inspire you to completely and fully trust in the Lord. What about the next one? To live like Jesus. Man, that's important to us, right? Matthew 6.33, my favorite scripture in the entire Bible says this. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will, give every, he will give you everything you need. That does not mean that you sit back like on some sunny beach soaking up the rays going, Lord, I'm seeking your kingdom. Bless me with it. Bless me with it. No, 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 no. There's more. As you seek the kingdom of God, yes, you receive God's shalom. But what did Jesus do with God's shalom? What did Jesus do with everything that God had? Did he store it up and say, mine, mine, stay away, it's mine? No, no, no. Jesus took everything God gave him, and he just pushed it right out to his neighbor. He pushed it right out to his disciples. He pushed it right out to his community. That is what seeking the kingdom means, that you seek it for yourself, God's provision. God, I want to understand what you want me to do. And then I'm going to live that out in my neighborhood, and I'm going to bring this Jesus message, this kingdom mentality, wherever my feet may go. That's how you live like Jesus. We trust in him fully, and then we live like him everywhere we go. Some of you have this nasty habit of after church on Sunday, you take your church hat off and you put your work hat back on or your neighborhood hat or your culture hat or your whatever hat you want to call it. We don't need any Sunday Christians. We got enough of those. Man, I invite you to put on the Jesus hat and wear it all the time. Even wear it here at church. We'd love that. Take off that religious hat where you're putting on airs and trying to make people be impressed by how you talk and how, what you say and what you know on Sunday morning. No, man, just put on Christ and wear him completely. And let's see what happens. Guys, that's what we do. Now, here's the fun part, how we do it. Right? How do we do those things? How do, we, how do we gather on Sundays? How do we have this executive team? How do we have this discipling process? How do we inspire people? All of those things are built on this foundation of seven values. Everything we do is based on seven values. I want to remind you of those today. The first one is truth. You want to fill that in. Truth is our first value. God's word, the Bible, is what we hold as an absolute truth. If you want to come talk to me about life, but you're going to pull from another source as your absolute truth or where you're getting the most of your foundation for the conversation, we're going to have a hard time conversing because I look at the Scriptures as the, inher- the not wrong, inherent Word of God. It's perfect and complete. It was yesterday, it is today, and it will be tomorrow. Just believe that. We, that's what this church believes. It's not just Pastor Matt. This church holds this idea of truth. So if you're sitting there and you're like, oh, well, I don't believe that. Man, I, can I just be honest with you? We do. We do. Call us old-fashioned. That's fine. I'm old-fashioned, right? But that's what we believe. And I understand this. Is this church for everybody? Man, I'd love to say yes. I think we're for everybody. The truth is we're not. Culture has a great way of getting people to believe what they want to believe. That's why, for me, it's so important to understand what God says so that no matter what the calendar tells me the date and the year is, I know where I stand with God and what he wants me to do. And I'm not going to be swayed by the cultural wind. Because I don't know if you've noticed this or not, but it's changed. And it continues to change. Truth is our first value. The second one is spiritual growth. And this is simply if you want to fill in the blank. Each day living more like Jesus and helping others do the same. Each day living more like Jesus and helping others do the same. Think of a race. You want to start the race. You want to run the race. You want to finish the race. That's a good race. But let's add a fourth element. Not only do we start, not only do we run, not only do we finish, we help someone else do the exact same thing. It's like you run every once in a while glancing over your shoulder and seeing who you can help bring along. That is spiritual maturity. Right? 
It's not bad if you just say, hey, I'm focused on me. Oh, wait, maybe that does kind of sound bad. Spiritual maturity is not only do you start and you run and you finish. Maturity is when you help others do the same. That's our discipling. The third one is family. Your family, our family, and the next family. I don't know if you know this, but our families are growing. Edgerton, you probably haven't heard this. This might be brand new news to you, but Amazon's coming. Yeah, you know that. And with them, with the employees, the men and women that are going to work there, some of them are going to have kids. And they're going to have families. And here's what I'm going to guess, just based on an observation that I make. Most people have no idea how to be a parent. Most people are just trying to take care of themselves, and now they have two little boogers or three little boogers they're trying to take care of. And their life bucket is a little bit overwhelming. Man, what a great opportunity that God has placed you guys in Edgerton there on purpose for such a time as this. We care about those families. And we're going to get ready for those. Can I tell you, Edgerton, new things and bigger things are coming. Get ready. I can't give you all the details, but we're thinking that executive team that I mentioned, stewarding today's responsibilities to prepare for wisdom for future opportunities, we are thinking and praying for you. Pastor Casey, myself, and the rest of the team, ooh, it's going to be fun. Get ready. We're going to be ready for those 1,000 employees. I commit that to you. Question is, Will you be ready? When they come, will you be willing? Do you care about, you personally, do you care about that next family? Man, we do. We care about your family, our church family, and the next family that's not yet here. Generosity is our fourth value. I love this one, right? Generosity can be defined as this, as our value. What you do with what you have. In my opinion, generosity is strictly about responsibility. Generosity is not about money. Generosity is everything about God seeing if he can trust you with stuff. That's it. Trust you with time. Trust you with money. Trust you with items. Trust you with things. It's, it's all responsibility. Here's the thing. What is your life reflecting right now when you think about generosity in the context of can God trust you? I have a principle. Some of you have heard it over and over again. You can't outgive God. But yet many of us live like we can. And so we don't give our time, we don't give our encouragement, we don't give our resources, we don't give our money, we don't open our home, we don't share meals, because if I do that with you, I won't have any for me. And every time you live like that, what you communicate to God is that he can't trust you with any more than what you currently have. So quit praying for the raise, quit playing the lottery, you ain't going to win, okay? Well, actually, keep playing, and if you win, just tithe, all right? But you're... You, you keep praying these things that God would give you more and it, just pretend to be God for a minute. Why would God give you more when he can't trust you with what you currently have? Generosity is always about responsibility. The next one, number five, is sentness. It's a weird word, right? Sentness, S-C-N-T-N-E-S-S, sentness. This is why I love this one. This is living like Jesus in a jacked up world. This is like living like Jesus in a jacked up world world. Here's the deal. We do not run from the darkness. We do not run from evil. We do not run from poverty. That's what the world does. The church peep, people, the church folk, we engage it. We step into it. Please hear this. We don't sit idly back at New City Church and wait for bad people in bad situations to get so overwhelmed in their badness that they finally come to us looking for some good. That's a lazy church. We ain't no lazy church. 
We are an engaging church. We have a name called New City on purpose. Not same city, not we're okay city, new city. And what does the new city do? We engage the dark places. And that dirty stuff, listen, it doesn't make us filthy. Our spiritualness, our holiness, us walking with the Father, us living like Jesus, when we engage, they don't make us dirty, guys. We make them clean. We make them clean. And we have to be able to be comfortable and, and, and knowledgeable about that you are called to engage your communities, your families, your neighborhoods with wisdom, with respect, with this idea of belonging. The last thing, sentence does not mean that you walk into um, the bar down the street and hit everybody up against the side of the head with your Bible. That's not what we do. That's not sentence. Jesus did not do that. He did that to religious people. He didn't do that to the woman at the well. We come into our communities with truth and grace. We don't run. Listen, don't run. Don't flee from the darkness. The darkness flees from us. The next one, worship environments. Worship environments. Wherever you are, there is an opportunity to worship. Did you know that? Wherever you are, there's an opportunity to worship. Worship is not always just music. Sometimes it's a a Thanksgiving prayer. Sometimes it's just telling God how awesome he is in the current situation. A worship is you driving down the road in the afternoon and you see that beautiful sun going down and the sky's lit up pink and you go, wow, God, that is amazing. That is a worship environment. A worship environment could be you sitting around with your friends at a restaurant or you with your family and before you gobble up that food, you pause not to give God your wish list, something I'm trying to teach my kids, prayer's not a wish list, but you pause before you gobble up that food to give God thanks and to remind him and to tell him and to communicate to him that you acknowledge his presence in the world in which you live. Every opportunity is an opportunity for worship. Now, if you sit back and go, well, I'm going to let Pastor Pete or I'm going to let Pastor Curtis lead us in that worship, you can do that. We will. We're prepared to do that. But you know what? You get to also. You get to say, you know what, can I just pray for us? Can I just, can we just stop for a minute and everybody say one thing that they're thankful for for God today? Can we just praise the Lord for his goodness in our life? Every environment is an opportunity for worship. When a Jesus follower is there, let me say that. When a Jesus follower is there, there's an opportunity for worship. Last one, last one, we'll save the best for last. Our seventh value that we build on is the value of you. It's the value of you. Um, we are for you. I hope you know that. We are for you. And here is the big, big thing that you need to hear concerning you. Because I don't know how you come in here, but I typically understand in conversations that you're asking the Lord to do something other than something maybe within you. Here is my statement for every single person in the room, including myself. It's this right here. Before God wants to use you to do something big, He first wants to do something big in you. Let me say it again. Before God wants to use you to do something big, he first wants to do something big in you. Within your own life, today, God is speaking to you. How do our values impact your life? I think they would make you a stronger follower of Jesus. What is our mission statement inspiring you to trust in and look like Jesus? Like, how does that impact? How does our mission statement become your mission statement? How do you join with and partner with your church body to say, you know what, I'm going to do the same thing. I'm going to strive to inspire everyone I encounter 
at the pace at which we're walking and doing life together, to trust in and live like Jesus. That's my life mission. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to partner with New City. They've got a good one. I don't have one. I'm going to borrow theirs and make it my own. Man, that's what the body of Christ does. How do you participate and join in with our three functions, the weekend, the executive team, and the discipling process? How do you engage in those things and kind of, we use that idea of a tricycle. How do you jump on that and move with us as we head towards what God has for us? And in all of those things, right? How do we continue to pray and ask the Lord to give us more opportunities to do what was done in Shawnee and what was done in Edgerton to be done in the next place? I'm going to invite Pastor Casey to come up at this time. And Pastor Casey, here's how I'd like for you to pray. I'd like for you to pray for the people and join me. I'm going to start. I'm going to hand it over to you. But to join with me in praying that God would continue to use this awesome body of believers that we call New City Church to bring out God's kingdom and his principles to all of our surrounding cities, and that he would increase our territory, that he would expound our boundaries, and that he would continue to bless us and give us favor as we are responsible with what we currently have. Father, as I begin to pray, I just want to say that um, I do not believe that I am entitled to anything. Jesus, you don't owe me a thing. You have given me everything by giving us your life, giving us your sacrifice on the cross, and resurrecting from the grave. Jesus, can I just say thank you? You owe us nothing. And Father, if you give us nothing else, we will steward the snot out of it. We will care for it. We will maintain it. We will love. We will encourage. But Father, if you see that this people can be counted as trustworthy, and as we continue to not tell you what we're going to do, but as we show you what we are currently doing and why we're doing it, God, if you could trust us with more, God, I will commit my very best to continue to lead this awesome ministry that we call New City in a way that makes you proud, that we honor what you've done for us, that we represent you with perfection as best as we know how with excellence to our surrounding cities. And God, that we always point to you for the glory and not for any man, for any woman, or for any method. Jesus, it is for you and because of you. Pastor Casey, if you could pray specifically for your congregation there in Edgerton. Guys, I love you. I look forward to being there in in the coming weeks to speak with you personally. But I hope that you are inspired right? To trust in and live like Jesus as we continue to move forward. Pastor Casey.